I'm excited to have with me Martin Parnell. He's an international keynote speaker, accomplished marathoner. He has set five Guinness World Records. He's a humanitarian. He's an author of three books, Marathon Quests, Running to the Edge, and the Marathon Trilogy, The Secret Marathon. And he also has another new book. Welcome, Martin. Hi, Christine. Great to see you. Yeah, so tell us about the new book. Well, this is a little different. Uh, the first three books very much were a journey that I was doing um, to, excuse me, to raise money for, for children's charities with Right to Play. That's uh, the Marathon Quest with the 250 marathons. And the secret marathon is, went to, is uh, when I went to Afghanistan in support of the women and girls there who run mm. equality. But the, this latest book is kind of a, a challenge to myself. And I think it's something we can all do is, you know, see what we can do to challenge ourselves. And in 2003, at the age of 47, I set my personal best times in the five, the 10, the half marathon, the marathon. And at the age of 62, I decided to try and beat those times. So 15 years later, mm -hmm. I decided to try and see if I could, you know, turn back the, 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 the hands of time and beat those four personal bests. And so what I did is for one year, I, I hired a coach. I, I found one of the best coaches I could. I did some special kind of training. I changed, you know, changed really a lot of things and had a, had a, um, a go at beating those four, those four times. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, you started running in your 40s, but I mean, it's incredible. Like how, how did you start? Like, why did you start running in your 40s? Yeah, actually, Christine, I had, excuse me, I had no interest in running. I mean, mm. as a kid, I was a bit of a tubby kid, you know, at school in England. I was always picked last for the soccer team and the rugby team, <laughs> the cricket team. And, you know, I, I'm sort of a reverse uh, Olympian. Um, they do one sport very well. I do many sports badly. And so, you know, I, I, I love trying sports, but I'm really not very good at anything. So at the age of 47, I received a phone call from my younger brother, Peter, and he challenged me to a marathon. And without hesitating, I said yes. But suddenly I realized, oh, my gosh, I don't <laughs> run. Is, you know, major, that's a major issue, Christine, when, you, you know, when yes. you've been challenged in a marathon. So <sighs> I, that night I went out. I was in Sudbury, Ontario. I went out. I ran one kilometer out and one kilometer back. It was a cold, wet, snowy night. And it was absolutely awful. I was soaking wet. I was cold. I thought, Martin, you know, what are you going to do here? And so I, next night I, I ran... 2K out and 2K back, and I was I was just done. So I decided to uh, join a running club, and it was the best thing I ever did. I joined the Sudbury Rocks Running Club. Wonderful people. I had a number of mentors. They they showed me you know what to wear about pacing, about nutrition, hydration. And in July of 2003, I ran my very first marathon, which was the Calgary Marathon. Wow. And how did you do in your first marathon? Well, that's a great question. So actually, not only was I competing against my younger brother, Peter, but my other younger brother, Andrew, uh, flew in, flew over from England. So this was like global, global <laughs> sibling rivalry. And I started off and I thought I was doing okay. But unfortunately, at the 2K mark, I stepped into a pothole and, and we did a face plant. So, I, oh. you know, my knees, yeah. So it was a bit of an auspicious start, but I got up, brushed off, and managed to finish the marathon. Uh, I, and I came in third. My uh, brother Andrew was first, I was second, and Peter was third. 
but I really felt such a sense of accomplishment. You know, Christine, it's something I've never you know, really felt to that degree. And that kind of got me on the road. It you know, got me in the world of running and, and ultras and triathlon. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, for people listening, um, what advice would you give to someone who is you know, they want to start running, but they're, they're not sure, like, you know, how, what kind of advice would you do, would you give rather? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One is, you know, start small. Like, I, mm. I don't think it's a great idea to start off training for a marathon, you know, before I started running. I mean, that, I mean, it certainly drove me, but I think, you know, look at, look at doing a 5k, seriously, look at doing a 5k. And one thing I would highly recommend is joining a running club, or joining one of the uh, running room programs, uh, just meet some people because you need support. That's the one of the things about running is it can be very hard to do it on your own it, mm. you know, to keep the motivation going. But if you can get support, and of course at the moment it, it might be online support, but start slowly and slowly build up. And don't beat yourself up if you don't do you know every training run that you're meant to do. But but you know go step at a time. You get a pair of comfortable shoes. And there's so many different varieties out there, but do go into a store and try the shoes on and make sure they're comfortable, number one. And I think, you know, if you start with that and just and get yourself going, that's a huge, that's a huge, you know, way to, to get yourself on the path. Mm. I mean, Martin, incredible. You ran 250 marathons in one year, and that was in 2010. Is that correct? That, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, you know, I think back on it now and I'm thinking, you know, what was I doing? It was, it was a crazy year. And, um, I, you know, these marathons, just to be clear, they weren't, they weren't all official marathons. I did seven official, but the others were around the Calgary Cochrane area. Uh, I had a, an official course that was actually measured for me by Athletic Canada, but also every week I would go to a school and I would run a, a marathon. Um, around their soccer field, a hundred times around the soccer field, oh. and the kids, yeah, the kids would join me in the morning for a couple of loops, and then at lunchtime for a couple of loops, and then at the end of the day, and I did that for sixty marathons, sixty schools with over twelve thousand children. It was amazing. Oh, I mean that is just you know awesome, and you know you're. I want to talk to you about your humanitarian work. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, well, that was uh, that sort of came about. Uh, you know, I started running at 47 and really started to enjoy it. I got into triathlon, and uh, you know, it was it was tremendous. And then I really wanted to do, you know have an adventure, and I read about this first crossing of Africa on by bike, and it's called the Tour d'Afrique. And a group of 30 men and women from all over the world uh, got together in Cairo, in Egypt, and cycled to. To Cape Town in South Africa, and I thought that would be an amazing adventure. So I signed up. I signed up in two or five, and I ended up um, cycling with a group of people um, to ten countries. But what really struck me was during these each day, I would then usually I was at the back of the pack, but I would see kids running. And one day I saw two boys playing table tennis, and I love table tennis, so I jumped off and started playing table tennis. And they, I mean, they couldn't believe he's his old. A white guy in you know bike bike pants and uh, you know crash helmet playing table tennis with this young guy, and what I found is across Africa I ended up doing sports whether it was running or basketball or table tennis, and I saw the power of sport with children, and that that really that really stuck with me, 
And when I came back, I found out an, about an organization called Right to Play. And they're, they're global, and they help children with play and sport uh, to learn life skills, whether it's leadership or team building or conflict resolution. And I wanted to do a fundraiser, and I had been increasing my running, doing uh, Ironman triathlons and doing ultra races up to 100 miles. And I thought, well, why not? Why not, Christine, try and do 250 marathons in one year? You know, why not? <laughs> five a week, five a week for a year. And, and I, I got going and started on January the 1st, and on December 31st, completed at 3 p.m. marathon number 250. That is incredible. And in 2013, I understand you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 21 hours. <laughs> another, yeah, another sort of a, a fundraising effort. I, I had completed the marathon quest, well, 250, and we raised over $300,000. But I, I, I really felt I wanted to try something else. So I took on what I call the, the Quest for Kids initiative. Mm. That was 10 quests in five years to try and raise a million dollars. And the Marathon Quest 250 was number one. Uh, I did five Guinness World Records in endurance sports, in soccer, lacrosse, ice hockey. Uh, I did a, a, a run around uh, a part of England, uh, a marathon a day for a thousand kilometers. But then, yeah, I decided my friend and I um, and a friend of his decided to try and, mount, to try and climb Mount Kilimanjaro in under 24 hours. Now he owns a trekking company in in uh, Tanzania, and so the three of us started uh, early in the morning, and we headed up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, and we got there the next morning at 6 a.m. as the sun rose. So it was uh, it was a crazy it was a crazy trip. It just um, what else do you do? I mean, I mean it's it's incredible, um, Martin, and I'm so happy to have you here. Um, but I want to talk to you and congratulate you actually on the film, The Secret Marathon. And tell us, how did that begin? Well, that was, you know, these journeys seem to, you know, seem to tie into each other. Uh, I had just finished the Quest for Kids, the 10 Quest, over five years uh, at the end of 2014. And we had raised $1.3 million for Right to Play. And so, you know, having finished that endeavor, I, I really wanted a little bit of a break. You know, I was kind of tired after, after that. And so I was starting my professional speaking career, and I was heading to, uh, to Winnipeg to give a, a presentation at a recreation conference, but I was feeling really, really bad. I had a terrible headache. And so anyway, I went to Winnipeg, and the organizer, Suzanne, said, Martin, you look terrible. She took me to the Grace Hospital, and, I had a, and they said, come on in. We're going to give you a CAT scan. And an hour later, they found a massive clot on the brain. Oh. And I was, in, I was in hospital for <clears throat> two weeks uh, in induced coma for 24 hours. And eventually got back to Calgary and was in recuperation for a number of months. And as I was recu recuperating, my wife Sue gave me an article from the Guardian newspaper about the very first Afghan woman who ran a marathon. And her name is Zanab. And this marathon took place in October of uh, 2015. And there was there were 60 marathoners, 10 international marathoners, and 50 Afghan men, except for one woman, Zanab. And what struck me, though, Christine, was the challenge that Zanab had to face. Where you know, where for us it's maybe nutrition, hydration, 
you know, the weather, the footing. But Zainab, it was uh, men calling her a prostitute as she trained and throwing mm. rocks, rocks at her to stop her training. And what she did is she didn't stop. She went to her home and she ran inside her walled garden around and around and around for hours on end. And then she went and ran the marathon. And when I saw that, I said to my wife, Sue, Sue, if I get better, if I can run again, if I can run a marathon again, then I'm going to go to Afghanistan and support the women and girls. And one year later, I was on a flight with uh, filmmaker Kate McKenzie to run with the women and girls in Afghanistan to support uh, running for freedom and equality. My goodness, what did people think when when you, you know, decided to run a marathon and, you know, like, I, I mean... <laughs> had a lot of a lot of mixed reactions as you can imagine mm. um, my wife you know, with, with my wife Sue there was obviously huge concern and we talked about it and I, I made sure that when I went there I went with a, a very reputable um, travel organization called Untamed Borders and they, they knew the area but even so you know Christine when you go to a country like Af- Afghanistan um, you have to take out insurance and it's not the usual you know, diarrhea or, uh, you know, other stuff. It's, it's uh, suicide attacks, it's kidnapping, it's all that, you know, kind mm. of stuff. So there was a lot of trepidation for, for myself and for Kate to head over there. But we felt that we, it was incumbent on us to support these women and girls. You know, men can run over there, men can, you know, can go outside, but not the women and girls. And so, it, you know, it, it, it was a passion. It was something we really wanted to do. And when we went over there, the people we met were just so hospitable, and it really was an amazing trip. I mean, tell us about the landscape, like how beautiful it was, and um, what was the filming like? I mean, it was very hot too, right? I've I've seen the film, and it's really amazing. Um, yeah, so please, you know, tell us. Yeah, so we, you know, so we arrived in Kabul, the capital, and we were really told don't stay there too long because you know it. it there is a lot of security issues in the main in the main city, so we stayed there just about a day, and then we flew up. <clears throat> excuse me, to this town called Barmian. Now, Barmian is in the foothills of the Hindu Kush mountain, and it's at nine thousand feet elevation, so it's significantly higher than where, where I am in Cochrane, and, and you know many places, even in even in BC. And the thing is, it, it looks hot, but the the temperatures are very similar to Cochrane. So when we were there, it was about five degrees. But it's stunningly beautiful. It's a very stark landscape. But they did take us to the one national park that is just um, outside of Barmian called Bandamir. And there there was beautiful um, aqua blue lakes and sandstone cliffs. There were waterfalls. And amazingly, there were a, a number of swan paddle boats. And that's mm. because the families in the weekends, they want to go for picnics. And so... You know, from this situation where, you know, this, this concern for security and obviously with the Taliban and, and the, the challenges, these people just want regular lives. And if that means just, you know, going for a paddle and a picnic, then then they'll do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was training like? I mean, um, would you train early in the morning? Like, how long did it take to get immune, like, uh, used to? <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. Uh, we were up in the mountains. In, in Barmian only for about a week so we had we had four days to get ready mm. and when Kate and I went out um, and this never really improved 
for the first 10 minutes, it's like you had a vice on your lungs. Oh. It's, like, it's like your lungs, you know, you just couldn't breathe. Now, slowly that improved. And as you got running, you know, you, you, could, you started to breathe a little better. But still, this is, you know, 25% reduced oxygen. And the race itself was, was kind of fascinating. It was an out and back. Started at 9,000 feet. The turnaround was at 10,500 feet. Hmm. And so, you know, there was no break from, from the altitude. And I think it would have taken us a lot, a lot longer to really get used to it. But um, that was one of the major challenges. Yes, and how closely related is the book to the film like? Well, that's a great question. The, the, the book sort of describes the whole process of, of before we went, the challenges of going. It even talks about the filming side. But I think, I think in some ways, um, you know, one of the differences, obviously in a, in a book, that you can get a lot more information, a lot more background. But also in the book, uh, we, had, we had chapters written by uh, six of the women who participated. And they wrote the chapters. Two of them um, were in English. Two of them I transcribed mm. from uh, Skype interviews where they were in uh, Kabul. So when, you know, they talked and uh, then we transcribed it. And two of the chapters were from two younger women who wrote the chapters in Dari. And then I have a friend who translates to English. And so in the book, there are these chapters right from the women's voices. And they're very raw. And it just tells the, the real story of what some of these women go through. So absolutely, the film, I think, you know, gives a, a wonderful depiction of what uh, the landscape's like, the challenges. But obviously, in the book, you can go a little deeper. Wow. And what has the feedback been like? Oh, my gosh, it's been it's been amazing. Yeah. We did we, we did the, we did the premiere of the film in Sudbury in uh, 2019, and we sold out. Uh, two cinemas, and in fact, we got a People's Choice Award for the film, and we've been on the festival uh, circuit, so it's been shown in Edmonton, Calgary, Kingston, and in fact, Edmonton International Film Festival, um, it again, it won the, uh, the People's Choice Award uh, for the best documentary, and in Calgary, at the uh, Calgary Underground Film Festival, again, we sold out two, two cinemas. And so, the, honestly, the re response to the film has been has been fantastic. I mean, I mean, this is an award-winning film. Do you think um, it could be an Oscar or hope? No, you know what you <laughs> you know you always hope for these things. But uh, uh, we, we we had our fingers crossed during the year that it was eligible, and it and it didn't get nominated. So unfortunately, um, no, it didn't it didn't make that. Well, another year, you know, hope, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, a wonderful film. And um, I want to talk about the upcoming gala. Tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is another marathon. You know, it seems like making the film is a marathon. And then and then the process we've had of, of getting this film out, out to the world. And so what we had planned, this was almost a year ago, we wanted to show the film. And we found a distributor called Demand Film, and they distribute films in five countries, in Canada, the US, uh, UK, Ireland, and Australia, New Zealand. And so they were going to put the film in the, in the cinema. Well, of course, it was going to be in June of, uh, of, of uh, 2020. Well, you know, COVID hit, mm. and so there's no, more, there's no more going to cinemas. So 
what we did is uh, Demand um, collaborated with Airmeet. Now, Airmeet do conferences, online conferences, and so they got together with us, and we've developed a platform for not only screening a film, but also for interacting with the audience and for, for being able to present featured guests. And so what we've set up is six different presentations over three days where, and just to take you through, Christine, when you, when you sign in and when you buy your ticket and it's time for the presentation, you'll enter literally what is a cinema, an online cinema, and there are tables around, tables of eight, and you can, you can go and sit down at a table. And you can sit with films or you can sit with, you know, maybe somebody from Afghanistan or Australia and have a chat about running and your interest. And then after that, we will then have an interview with a featured speaker. And we've got uh, Zanab is from Afghanistan is going to be one of the featured speakers. John Stanton from The Running Room. Catherine Switzer, the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. So we have a number of key speakers that will, you know, be doing an interview. Then you enter the cinema and the film will be shown, high, high def screening of the film. Afterwards, we will then be having a, a Q&A with myself and Kate McKenzie and a cultural advisor. And then you can go back to the tables if you want and chat with your friends or new friends about what you just saw. So an incredibly interactive um, process yes. on literally on what it could be like in a cinema. But imagine a cinema where the whole world could come. Yes, and you're right at home too. You don't have to leave your, you know, you it's. To, you don't have to leave your couch. And the thing yes. is, you can have your popcorn and your and your drink, and and you can take it all in, right from your own home. That's wonderful. And when is it? And um, and is it like five dollars to enter? Or no, what it is, it's uh, it's the weekend of January the twenty ninth, thirtieth. And thirty first, I'll give you the I'll give you the uh, link in a minute, and it is twenty dollars, uh, and that's you know I mean if you have a if you have a, a group in your at your home that's great, but it's twenty dollars per screen, so you know, it's up to you how many you have, uh, but five dollars of that is being donated to the uh, marathon of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and in fact what they want to do is they want to purchase a a, a timing system so that they can expand the race and have chip timing on the marathon Afghanistan. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. So that $5 is just wonderful that it's a, a, a project. And I mean, when you think $20 is really, you're going to a movie or a film, so. Yeah, I mean, and also, that, don't forget the food's a lot cheaper. I mean, yes. that's food in the cinema, you, you, know, you have to, you know, that's why they keep it behind glass because it's so expensive. So. I think it's a pretty good deal, mm-hmm. and um, you can you can buy your tickets if you go to thesecretmarathon.com. Uh, just go there and you know click on the link, and you've got a choice of a number of uh, presentations during that weekend. Wonderful. And is there anything else you'd like to add, Martin? No, I just think it's absolutely it's going to be amazing. I just maybe one thing is the Secret Marathon. Uh, we were there in 2016, and not only has it um, spurned a book, the Secret Marathon book, which again you can get, you can, you can order it. Uh, my website is martinpinell.com, and you can go there and find it, or you know go to Amazon and get the book. But there also is the Secret 3K, which mm. is uh, which is an amazing event. It's, this will be the fourth year, and it's held on March the third. And this is where we uh, have, and this year it's all virtual. In previous years there were some face to face. This year it's all virtual. 
and it's a 3k event very attractive especially if you know maybe for for the for the new run walkers it would it's fantastic and it supports uh this year again the marathon afghanistan we're supporting them another charity and it's to promote um people getting out men and women boys and girls getting out um going for a walk and being out there and helping our physical and mental health and also again focusing on supporting women and girls in places where they are persecuted just because they run yes and martin thank you so much for um being a guest on the show i really appreciate it and i'd like you to come back absolutely christine anytime i i i'd love to tell you a bit more about the aceless athlete and and what happened there with the with that book coming out in April. So I'll, I'll, I'll come back whenever you want me. Yes, for sure. And thank you again. And, and again, um, can you give us the website and the link to the secret marathon? Absolutely. So, so the link uh, for tickets is the secret marathon.com. Just, uh, just click on the link and there's a, there's a place there. Just uh, scroll down for you to get tickets and uh, yeah, come and enjoy the show. And, and say hi. I'll be at I'll be at all the presentations, and uh, don't hesitate to say hi. You know, and let's have a chat. Thank you.